Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, let's dive in. Uh, this past week, I got a chance to take my son, Josh. Uh, he's up here on the keyboards down to Orlando, Florida, uh, for a father-son trip. One of the things we decided was that uh, we wanted to make these marked memories with our kids, doing some things like when my little girl turned 10, Josh Olson over here on the drums, DJed a fantastic birthday party for her that she'll never forget. And then for all our kids, when they turn 13, they get to take a trip with one of their parents. And so Josh is super into Jurassic Park and Harry Potter and King Kong and all that stuff. So Universal Studios was a perfect thing for him to do. And we just had a really wonderful time the last couple of days down in Universal. But Josh has been doing a lot of research about this trip coming up and watching YouTube videos about all the roller coasters. Because honestly, Josh has only really been on one real roller coaster, and that's the white roller coaster at Valley Fair. How many of you have been on that roller coaster? How many of you know that's rickety and old? So Josh thought that's how all roller coasters were. So that's kind of in his mind, but he's been psyching stuff up like, okay, I got to go on the Velocicoaster, I got to go on the Hulk roller coaster. And so we got there, we flew in about, you know, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., checked into our Airbnb, went to the park, had about two hours there. Wow, I didn't want to do the Hulk roller coaster or the Velocicoaster the next day. uh, uh, And then the next day, finally, I was like, okay, buddy, I'll buy you a Hulk t-shirt, which he's wearing right now, (laughs) if you go on this ride, because I think you're going to love it. And so he was like, and I was like, but the thing is, buddy, I'm now 43, and I don't think I can go on that roller coaster. So I'm going to cheer you on as you be brave and go do this. And so he is like, okay, I can do this. And he took a little bit of time, but then he went on the Hulk coaster, and I was waiting for him, and I was like, oh, no, this is going to be so bad. Uh, Like, what if he doesn't like this? He's never going to trust me again. But I was like, I think this is going to be good. And he came off, like, shaking and, like, almost crying because he was so happy he did it. And he's like, that was the greatest thing ever. Uh, he proceeded to ride that roller coaster seven more times. <laughs> so uh, he really stepped in his bravery. He did convince me to ride it once. Um, it goes zero G in one of the loop-to-loops. I think I passed out for a second. And I was like, hey, buddy, I'm done <laughs> for the rest of the week on roller coasters. Like, can't really do that anymore. But it was neat to see Josh step into bravery and courage in a moment where he wasn't sure if he was going to do that. And tonight, I want to talk to those who need a little courage, a little bravery to step into your moment that you're facing. And maybe, like Josh, you'll take that step that you need of courage, and you're going to end up loving it. Maybe not. That's okay. But the Holy Spirit wants to help you to be brave. Take that step of courage. Do you need to be brave about something you're facing right now? Do you need God to open your eyes and show you What's right in front of you? Do you feel like now or ever you've ever been like in the wilderness? You ever felt like you're in a season where it's kind of a desert season? Where maybe your, your Bible readings become a little stale? Maybe worship doesn't hit like it used to? How do we be brave in a season when it feels like we're lost in the wilderness? How do we be brave when you can barely get out of bed? But we're going to look tonight at a story of a broke single mom who was ready to give up. 
And if Jesus can help her be brave, then he can help you too, whatever situation you find yourself in. And so tonight's message is really uh, for those who are in transition or any times of trouble. If you're taking notes, you can write that down, that God shows up for those who are in transition or time of trouble. And we've all faced times of trouble. We've all faced times of transition. And the beautiful thing is God shows up in the middle of nowhere, and he rescues in the desert. So since uh, the start of this year, 2023, we've been walking through the life of Abraham. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 21. And uh, I'll be reading out of the ESV, and that's what we'll be in tonight, Genesis chapter 21. But we've been on this journey of walking with Abraham as he got a new name, a new identity. Uh, We've seen how he lost his wife to Pharaoh. God gave her back. Um, he went and rescued his worthless nephew Lot, uh, and God is with him in that. Um, and then we saw last week how he made the same mistake that he made with Pharaoh by letting his wife be taken to Abimelech and kind of lying about it. That she's my sister, it's his half-sister, but it's also his wife. And God steps in again, rescues Sarah, rescues Abraham, and gives him back his wife so that's kind of where we are in the story. And we've been building up for, uh, what is it, 15 weeks or so now, uh, of waiting for the child of promise. That Abraham and Sarah, they said, you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. And through your family, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. But they have no kids. So how's that going to happen? So we've been walking through the story for about 25 years now, timeline, and they've been waiting for this child. And today... We finally see the fulfillment of that. So Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham's 100 years old, and he's got a new baby. Wow, can you imagine being 100 years old, not being a grandpa, a great-grandpa, but a new dad. But see, when God says something, he's very trustworthy. God promised them this child, and they had to wait for 25 years from the time they received that first promise until the fulfillment of the promise. Verse 3. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. Now, if you've been around church for all, you probably know the name Isaac means laughter. When God showed up to tell Abraham first, that he was going to have a son. How did Abraham respond the first time? He laughed. And then the next chapter, God shows up and tells Sarah, and she laughs. It seems like oftentimes we focus on Sarah laughing at God, but not Abraham. But they both laughed because they didn't believe it. And so now, though, they're laughing in joy. Oh, we have this son. No longer we're laughing at a mockery that how this can't be, but now we have this new baby. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Here's the thing about being a parent. It's not enough just to sire a son, just to be a dad. You have to raise him. And circumcising his son is saying that we as a family are in covenant with God. We are entering this relationship. This isn't just my faith. This is us as a family walking in the promises of God. I've got two sons. It's not enough to just have sons, though. As a father, I need to raise my sons to love and serve God. I need to raise my daughters to love and serve God. I need to invest in them. I need to show them what it means to follow God. That's why it's so important to have this time, me and Josh, just the two of us, uh, and talking about life and hanging out for five days. Because life is really about relationships 
and these memories we make through these different experiences and these marked moments. And I have to be in a covenant relationship with God. Say, this is my Bible. This is my God. This is my church. Because here's the truth. You can write this down if you want, that sons worship the God of their fathers. And dads, how we model our faith to our sons in particular is how they are going to model the faith to their kids. See, Abraham is dedicating his son to the Lord and extending his covenantal relationship he has with God to now include his son. We're going to do that here in this summer. We're going to have a time of dedication. If you haven't dedicated your parenting and your child to the Lord, we'd love to stand with you. And what that is, is we're just saying, hey, you're acknowledging for your church family, hey, this is my God, this is my church, this is my Bible. Would you help me raise my kids to know and love Jesus? See, it's not just the act of circumcision, it's the covenantal relationship. Abraham is saying, I'm going to raise my son in the Lord. And all this is foreshadowing what's to come through Jesus. Romans 2 tells us we can have a circumcised heart, a new heart, a covenantal heart, through the Spirit of God. All right, verse 5. And Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. See, previously, she and Abraham laughed in mockery to God because they didn't believe God. But now her laughter changes to joyous celebration. Now she's laughing and celebrating that God gave her a son. I picture this every time she calls Isaac, Isaac, dinner's ready. She's like laughing as she says his name, which means laughter. It's like, man, I can't believe after all this time of waiting, God fulfilled his promises to us. God didn't laugh back at them, but blessed them so they could laugh in joy with God. How good is that, amen? Verse 7, and she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. She's trying to figure out nursing at 90 in a tent. Now we have some nursing moms in here. Can you imagine trying to figure that out at age 90 in a tent? Uh, like, th- that's, that's tough, right? That's where Sarah is, but she's happy. They're joyous. They're figuring this out. They've waited 25 years. It's the best picture. Everything is so good. It's the, f- the fulfillment of the promise of everything we've been waiting for, for these however many uh, 10 chapters that we've been in studying. So what happens when everything is all good? Trouble around the corner, right? That's just how life goes. Verse 8, and the child grew and was weaned. That means was starting to eat solid food, was no longer nursing. The child's probably three, maybe even four years of old. Um, In this culture, they would nurse as long as possible to give the child as much of a chance as possible to survive. Uh, Verse 8, And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. See, infant mortality was so high, um, so many babies and children died in, in this time. You know, we don't have science. There was no hospitals back then. So sometimes they don't even name their child until the child hit a, a year old. And so now, Isaac, he's been weaned. He's eating food. He's standing on his own two legs. He's probably three, four years old, somewhere around there. So they're going to throw this big celebration. They're like, wow, he's, he's past those early scary years. This is exciting. The promise is being fulfilled through Isaac. Verse 9. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. Remember this? Abraham shows up in the promised land. The promised land turns out to be a famine land. There's a famine in the land. Sometimes God calls us to something. It's not what we think it's going to be. So there's a famine there. And instead of Abraham walking by faith that God's going to provide, what does he do? He goes down to Egypt. And every time we sin, we pick up baggage. When he's down in Egypt, he picks up some possessions and some servants. Who does he pick up? Hagar. 
this Egyptian servant. Over time, Sarah can't conceive. She's like, hey, take my servant Hagar, have a child with her. Abraham's like, all right, baby, if that's what you want, I can take one for the team. And he has a baby with Hagar, uh, the Egyptian. Well, now the son is laughing at Sarah's son. So, you know, um, uh, the son grows up. Abraham loves Ishmael, his first son. And Ishmael's now around the age of 13, 14, somewhere around there. Uh, maybe he's a teenager, but maybe Ishmael now, he's starting to pick on his little brother. Because uh, that never happens now, right? Josh, 12-year-old's picking up on their little brothers. Uh, you know, maybe he's picking on him. Maybe he's beaten up a little bit. And so Sarah steps in to protect her little boy. And you can just kind of hear that tone, like maybe hands are on the hips, right? It's like, Abraham, your girlfriend's son is picking on my boy, you know, and she's, she's mad at him. Verse 10, so she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And we've been there, guys who are married, like when your wife, she's mad, hands on the hips, her, she's not blinking, right? And it, but, but also we get it, right? Uh, you know, if your husband's girlfriend shows up at your little boy's birthday party and starts picking on your son, you're going to want to kick him out, right? Like this, that's why I love these stories are in the Bible. It sounds like something out of a TV show, but it shows how messed up these families are. And God said Hagar's son Ishmael was going to be like a wild donkey of a man. Have you ever stood behind a donkey? You might get kicked, right? So maybe Sarah sees this 13, 14, 15, maybe 16-year-old picking on the three-year-old, four-year-old little brother. And she's like, hey, get rid of your girlfriend and get rid of my son's half-brother. Get him out of here. Verse 11, and the thing, but getting rid of him, was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. Now, here's what's really interesting when you go to the Hebrew here. We don't know which son he's talking about. Now, Abraham loved both his sons. He loved Ishmael, even though he knew that wasn't where the promise can come through, and he loved Isaac. And now he's got to get rid of his older son. This also is a theme you can trace all throughout Genesis, that oftentimes God doesn't pick the son we think he's going to pick. And he passes over the firstborn Cain, and he blesses Abel. We're seeing here, firstborn Ishmael, he's going to pass over him to bless Isaac. We're going to see that with Jacob and Esau. Um, it's so, so, so many times again that God doesn't pick the son we think he's going to pick. But Abraham loves them both. And so what is he going to do? He's for, forced between picking between them. But you can't have your girlfriend and his, her son and your wife and her son, you know, all together in one tent. Like, this is not going to work out. So now we got a big mess. So what's going to happen? But fortunately, in the midst of messes, God shows up. Who's the hero in the story? Well, it's not Abraham, right? He's messed up. It's not Isaac. It's not Ishmael. It's not Hagar. It's not Sarah. It's Jesus. If you're taking notes, write that down, that Jesus is the only true hero. Jesus is the only true hero in the Bible. That's why we lift up the name of Jesus. We can learn some things from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Daniel and these people, but they're all flawed and broken people. Jesus is the one true hero, amen? So Jesus is going to show up in our story right in the midst of the mess. Verse 12, but God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she says, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So God has kind of given the okay to Sarah's plan to kick out Hagar and her son. Now, this kind of goes along with the doctrine of election. And if you're a theological nerd and you love to dive in, let's grab coffee sometime and we can talk about predestination and election. But fortunately, what we can trust, though, is that God selects those who he wants to bless 
and through them, the rest of the world will be blessed. For whatever reason, he has elected and predestined Isaac to be the one that Jesus is going to come through. What we're going to see, though, he still has a purpose for Ishmael. I'm glad it's not up to us. Verse 13, and God says, I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. God's like, I'm going to bless both your sons. This is going to be different. Through Isaac's going to become the one, the Messiah, but I'm also going to bless Ishmael. You're blessed to be a blessing, and both your sons are going to be blessed. Verse 14, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So Hagar now is a homeless, flat, broke, single mother. She's got nothing. Maybe some of you were raised by a mom like that. Maybe some of you have some close friends like that. Maybe that resonates with your experience. And she's been cast out of her community, of her family. And this is either a great injustice by Abraham, or it shows that Abraham has great faith in God and in his promises. I think Abraham is trusting. He's finally trusting. He said, okay, God's going to take care of my firstborn son. Is there something you need to let go of? We've talked about this. We've talked about Lot. That not everyone we lose is a loss. Sometimes God says, hey, you need to send them out. You need to have some separation here. And I'm going to still be with them. See, God loves that person that you might need to have some boundaries with way more than you will ever love them. He will take care of them and do what is necessary to bring them where they need to be. Amen? And what happens next is very interesting. They're wandering in the wilderness. It seems hopeless. She has no people. She has no land. She has no food. Her water runs out. They're alone in the desert. And I picture Hagar, the single mom, that turns to her teenage son and says, hey, Mama needs a break. She's going to go over here. She needs some alone time. You ever feel that way as a parent? Like, I just need a break. But for Hagar, it's a little different. She thinks this is the end. She thinks we're going to die. And honestly, she can't look at the face of her son as he dies. Verse 15. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. We're going to come back to that. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. Man, single mom, flat broke, begins to sob. No hope at all. She's thinking, this is it. We're going to die in the wilderness. I thought maybe Abraham would love me and leave Sarah. I thought my son and I would inherit everything. When he died, I'd be a millionaire. But now look at me. I'm a broke single mom, hopeless in the middle of the wilderness. This is the end of our story. Have you ever been in the place of just feeling hopeless at the end of your rope. And that's where God meets us. It's not the end of her story, and today is not the end of your story either. No matter how hopeless your situation might be, like it seems like it is, God wants you to get your hopes up. Let's go back to that, that previous slide where she puts the child under one of the bushes. This is one of those things that... When we're reading this in English, it's so easy to run past this. But in my studies, uh, uh, this go-around, I talk about how I preached through Genesis seven years ago, the things I missed, I'm picking up a second time. It's a really interesting word in Hebrew that's a shrub with kind of a woody base to it. Um, and what's fascinating, we're in chapter 21 now, this is the second time in Genesis this word shows up. The first time it shows up, any guesses? In the Garden of Eden. Yeah. 
when, when the waters and the shrubs are there with the trees. And so our author, Moses, he's given a slow picture. Hey, even in the midst of hopelessness, there's Eden. There's the hope of God being with us. And do you know the next time this specific word is used? When God shows up at the burning bush to lead the Egyptian the people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And this is an Egyptian woman who's been abused by Abraham, the Jewish man. And now the next time this word shows up is when the Israelites are going to be led out of slavery and bondage to the Egyptians. I just think that's super cool. And so, again, we're always looking for these triggers of, like, going back to Eden. The trees are pointing forward to the cross. And so when life seems like there's no hope left, God shows up. And every time in our story when it felt like, man, there's no hope, God shows up. He's the only hero, Jesus. And Ishmael, he's crying just like his mama. Do you remember what his name means? There's another time when Hagar was pregnant with Ishmael and Sarah was, was mad because she was kind of gloating about it. And so what, what did she say? Hey, get rid of your girlfriend. And so Abraham casts out pregnant Hagar. And then remember, she, she, God shows up and she met the pre-incarnate Jesus, the angel of the Lord, um, before he came as a baby. And, and she said, he said, hey, name your child Ishmael, which means the Lord hears. So this child, he's crying, and the Lord hears his cries. And we don't know if Hagar and Ishmael worship the gods of her fathers, the Egyptian gods, or if they worship the one true God. But nonetheless, God hears their cries. See, you don't need to be a Christian for God to hear your cry for help and your cry for hope. You don't have to believe to be blessed. You don't have to believe to belong here as a part of this church. But our hope is that you will get blessed by community and love and fellowship, and then you'll begin to trust that this is a place where you belong. And hey, I can have some friendships and people who know me and love me and accept me. And then you too can believe in Jesus and put your hope and trust in him. So again, we don't know where Hagar and Ishmael are. They don't, we don't know if they love Jesus, but you know what? Jesus loves them. You know, throughout our community, our single moms like Hagar who are in deep trouble, and maybe they don't know God, but God is listening. It's like, why would we do an Easter egg hunt? Because it's an easy way to invite people from our community to say, hey, come we want to bless you. We want you to come and then feel like you can belong. But it doesn't stop there. Then we want people to truly meet Jesus, to believe in Jesus. And he's listening. Verse 17, and God heard the voice of the boy and the angel of God, that's Jesus, called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Again, this is the pre-incarnate Jesus. And if you're taking notes, write this down, that God is always above whatever situation you are in. See, Jesus is watching her, looking out for her the whole time. And whatever situation you're in right now, and maybe your eyes are cast down and you're looking down at your situation, but Jesus wants you to say, hey, look up, see hope. He is always above whatever situation you are in. See, Hagar, she's hopeless. She's just passing through this wilderness, but God shows up with his presence and gives a promise. And maybe too, you're in a season of life where you're just passing through, but Jesus is gonna show up with his presence and he's gonna give you a promise, amen? Verse 18, and Jesus says to her, up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand for I will make him a great nation. Jesus says, hey, get your hopes up, stop crying, pick up your chin, go get your son, take his hand, take my hand. 
This is the second time Jesus has shown up in the wilderness to Hagar. And this woman, no one wants to be with her anymore. She's broke. She's no longer in her glory years as a woman. When she left, she lost all her community. She has this sketchy sexual past. Maybe you feel this way, used, discarded. But Jesus wants to be with her. And God wants to be with you too. We see around here a lot, not perfect. Hey, we're cool with that. Doesn't mean we want you to stay that way. But hey, man, you got the past, you got some mess, that's okay, because Jesus loves you. See, God is the father to the fatherless. Ishmael now, he doesn't have a dad anymore, but Jesus is going to be his dad. Jesus loved to show love to scandalous people. I think if Jesus was around on social media, I think he'd be taking selfies with people that were like, what? Why is he hanging out with those people? For some of us, that's Republicans. For some of us, that's Democrats. For some of us, it's, you know, fill in the blank, right? But that person you're thinking of, Jesus loves them, amen? What happens next is great. Verse 19, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God is with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He became Hawkeye from Avengers. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife from him from the land of Egypt. And again, we talked about that when you take like from the Garden of Eden, that's uh, something you shouldn't do. Although you explore that more in your community group. But the wilderness can be a lot of different things to different people. See, some of you, I think, are so destination-driven that you haven't even realized how good you have it right now. And you've made it, and you don't even realize it. I think that's been even my journey, even with this church of, of having hopes and dreams and where would we be at year seven, and God saying, look up, look around. This is my Bible. This is my people. This is my church. It's like, man, isn't God good? Some of you, the wilderness is a hopeless situation and you feel like you're gonna die right now. You're just looking for hope. Maybe it's an adult child that has walked away from Jesus and you feel like it's hopeless for them to ever find Jesus, but Jesus loves them. Was the well already there? I think so. I think God just opened her eyes to see hope, that they were in an oasis, a place to start a new life. God wants to open your eyes too to see hope, to see what's right in front of you. See, there's times when you and I, we get hopeless. We sin and we've been sinned against. We're looking down. Jesus comes alongside us and says, look up, there's hope and provision right here. Start hoping and we can move forward to a place of change. Again, we don't have any evidence that Hagar or Ishmael loved Jesus, but God loves her and God is looking out for her and God is pursuing her. And we say this sometimes, that everybody matters to God whether or not God matters to them. People in our community, people in our city, people around the world, they matter to God, whether or not God matters to them. We're gonna show them love and affection because God wants to show them love and affection, amen? Maybe in your life you've looked back and you've realized, man, I've been really lucky or blessed with good karma or whatever, but God wants us to say, hey, no, that was God. Let's point our praises to him. He's the one who's providing. He's the one who's looking out for you. Even before you know it's him, Jesus is taking care of you. Jesus wants you to look back and say, wow, that was God and that was God and that was God. And every time I thought it was hopeless and something showed up, I just thought it was my good luck or my good fortune or my smarts. No, that was God being a rescue for us because he's a God who rescues, amen? 
See, Hagar is in this hopeless place, but Jesus comes and saves her and takes care of her and her boy. Sometimes I hear people say, that's when I found God, but I tell you, God is not lost. (laughs) He's looking for you. He's found you and saved you and redeemed you, and now we want to point people to Jesus. See, Hagar left her home and everything she knew, and God will show up in those transitional times of your life. Maybe right now you're in the season of change and you're not sure what's next, but God will show up in the transitional moments, the confusing moments, the how did I get here moments. That's when God's going to show up. God knows how to meet you in the middle of nowhere when you can't go back to where you came from. God wants to tell you, I'm going to bless you in the in-between places. Amen. Perhaps your situation feels like a setback and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. God wants to use it as a set up for you and for others to see the goodness of God. Amen that God provided, that God healed. Praise God in the middle of nowhere, even when you feel like you're going nowhere. See, God was in that place, and Hagar didn't even know it. She encountered the presence of God, but here's the thing. The presence of God is not in a place. As much as we love this place, the presence of God is a person. It's Jesus. What do the angels tell the shepherds? Emmanuel, God with us. Let us never chase the presence, the feeling of worship. It's the person of Jesus. That's who we should be pursuing. That is the presence of God. It's God with us through Jesus. And what happens when God shows up in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of my trouble? He's a very present help in times of trouble. Amen. In the middle of hopelessness, in the middle of doctor reports, in the middle of failed marriages, in the middle of dysfunction, in the middle of middle school, God shows up in the middle of nowhere to open your eyes to see that he is there. He's here now. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He's here right now. You are not alone. You're not by yourself. As much as you might feel like you are alone, Jesus is with you. And there are people in this church who love you and are so glad that you are here. See, the shepherds were in the middle of nowhere on the outskirts of society and they heard that Emmanuel, God with us, was born and they rushed into that stable. He's here, he's here to heal hearts right now. We're gonna go in a couple minutes into a time of response. God was there. Hagar had to have God open her eyes to see him and to see the hope that was there. Ask God, open my eyes to see what you're doing right now in front of me. Maybe you've been downcast and you need to look up Maybe you just need to see the well of water that's right there. Maybe you just need to realize how God has carried you in your past. And here's the good news for us today, as I'm wrapping up, that God works out even our mistakes and makes them a part of the plan. Was Abraham supposed to go to Egypt? No, I don't think so. Was he supposed to bring back a girlfriend? No. Was he supposed to have a child with Hagar, the Egyptian? No. Was Ishmael ever supposed to be born? No. But what happens three generations later? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. But see, the thing is, God isn't just going to use the Isaacs in your life. He's also going to use the Ishmaels. He's also going to use the mistakes. See, in Genesis 37, there's this boy, Joseph, and he's one of the youngest brothers. And he's a little cocky, a little arrogant, so he's bragging about these dreams. The older brothers don't like that. They beat him up. They take his cloak. They throw him in a pit. He doesn't deserve that. And they're getting ready to kill him. But God had a plan for Joseph's life. And what happens? In Genesis 37, verse 25, and they sat down to eat, the brothers, as they're debating, should we kill our little brother? And looking up, they saw a caravan of who? Of Ishmaelites. These are their third cousins 
coming from Gilead with their camels, bringing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it where? Down to Egypt. Where did Joseph need to go? Down to Egypt. Why? Because God had a plan to save the world through Joseph. But Joseph's going to sit in prison for 20 years until that happens. And the whole story of Joseph, we're going to dive into it next fall. Uh, one of my favorite stories, because as far as we know, God never audibly spoke to Joseph. He didn't get a vision or an angel like he blessed Hagar with it. But God used those Ishmaelites, the descendants of the baby that was never supposed to be born, to get Joseph to his purpose. You think God's only going to use the good stuff in your life? God says, I'll use it both. The Ishmaels, the Isaacs, all of it. God's going to use it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That thing you're thinking about, that mistake you made, could God use that? Yes, God can use that thing. God can redeem it. We all make mistakes. We all mess up, but it's never hopeless because Jesus is always above whatever situation we are in. He's working all things out. Even when we make a mistake, we can't mess it up so much to throw off his promises. So I'm going to invite the band up here, and uh, this is where we're going to respond. This is an older worship song. If you don't know it, um, it's a pretty easy one. It's one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, I'm going to be up here weeping as we do this song, because uh, this is a song for us. 13, 14 years ago, was huge for us, because we were in a season of, of a desert place. That we wanted to be parents, and, and, and we had miscarriage after miscarriage, and three years of infertility, and this song we would sing, that even in the desert places, when it feels so dry and I'm confused, God is there. And then times of harvest, when you see your boy and he's playing in the worship band and he's stepping into his calling and it's the harvest, you praise Jesus. And in every moment in between, from the desert to the harvest. So I don't know where you are tonight. We got a little bit of time before we're gonna eat together and hang out. But this is just a respond to God. I'm gonna invite you to stand right now. And then as the band plays, you can sit back down, but I want us all to start standing. And then this is a time to just to kind of, what, what I like to call is like just to kind of do a heart check and just be like, God, is, is there, we talked about this last week about uh, unforgiveness and, and, and uh, the need to reconcile. Is there some unforgiveness in my heart I need to give over to you? Is there someone I need to reconcile a relationship with? Or is it, God, have I been so feeling hopeless and fixated on my circumstances? I've lost sight of you. Help me, Jesus, to put my eyes on you. Maybe you're feeling a time of transition. Again, Hagar, she's in this time of transition and she's not sure what's next. Maybe that you resonate with that. And you just need to trust that, that God is with you in the transition. I don't, I don't know what that is. But this is a time to just ask the hey, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to me what it is I need to give up to you and what I need to receive from you? Maybe it's just standing on a promise. Matt talked about that, how uh, there's something that happens when we proclaim back to God his promises that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. It, he, he's gonna confirm that with his spirit and we're preaching to ourselves. One of the reasons we also congregationally sing this power, um, well, yeah, this whole metaphysics about it that your voice vibrates and we're all vibrating at the same frequencies when we're singing together, so there's something very powerful about that. But also to hear others proclaim these words and there were times in our journey, Chris and I, when we felt hopeless, 
And our friends came alongside us and said, hey, we will hope for you when you feel hopeless. When you can't sing this, when you can't recite this promise, we'll do it for you. We'll be your voice. And so lean into community. And maybe there's someone next to you. You're just going to grab their hand or put a hand on the shoulder and be like, hey, would you pray for me? And also be listening to the Holy Spirit. And maybe it's not about you, but maybe there's someone in this room even. And during the song, and hey, it's totally okay. And you're like, man, the Holy Spirit's nudging me to take this scary step to walk over and, and I need to pray with Brenda and so I'm just going to put a hand on her shoulder and ask, hey, can I pray with you? Is there anything I can pray about? Just listen to that. This is our time to just meet with God, to respond to his word. Uh, and, and again, we got 15 minutes before pizza gets here. So let's just soak in the presence of God. Uh, I'm going to pray. And then I'm just going to be sitting down here. And uh, if that feels a little scary, you can just come and sit down next to me and I'd love to pray with you. I'm um, just, just uh, yeah, we want to be here as, as a place of prayer and worship. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to meet here. Thank you for your people that when we're uh, feeling hopeless or in transition or just uncertain or just um, maybe even we just want to celebrate uh, how good you are. God, that, that, that you're here and your people are here. Thank you for your word. And now, God, as we, as we sing this song to you, as we pray, Lord, let us have open ears and minds and hearts to your Holy Spirit to let go of those things that we don't need to hold on to anymore and then to receive from you your love, your mercy, your grace, your truth, your identity, your love, your direction, your wisdom, the things that we need to receive. God, let us receive those things, let go of what we need to let go of. And then God, if you're nudging us to just maybe take two steps or three steps to, to pray with someone, God, that we take that step of faith because God, we wanna be a people together on mission following you. In your name we pray, amen. Let's sing this song together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.